Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. Uh, I am your host for this week, uh, Dale Kirchie. Uh I'm joined by Niall McGowan. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, the runtime of this uh, week is going to be the t- uh, 10 minutes to 14.59, mm-hmm. which means we're starting at minute 10 to 10.59. This is a, quite a nice... Uh, I really liked the chunk of this minute, so before we get into the details, I'll just remind us that it is... Um, basically, we're going through the puzzles have just been solved. People are reading the invitation with the murder mystery. And so we've got cutaways between everyone trying to figure out what to do. And then we see um, a first, I think it's the first inter- uh, moment we see Janelle Monáe's character. Uh, and she uh, is staring at the box and the vibe is immediately changed. Mm. It's quite a desolate apartment instead of rich, la- rich lavish stuff. And then she proceeds to open the box very efficiently. Um, and I think cathartically, and the minute ends with her seeing something in the box. Mm. So Ominous. I already mentioned, yeah. So what, what do you think of this minute? Uh, well, I, I actually really, um, uh, well, I enjoy, I enjoy all the minutes of glass onion, uh, quite frankly, <laughs> but, um... Oh yeah. Let's, let's rewind. Sorry. No, I'll, are you a fan of the movie? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, that was. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, all Ryan Johnson's work, uh, except though I just I watched uh, rewatched The Brothers Bloom last year, and it wasn't as good mm. as I remember. I remember thinking it was fantastic back in like when I was like 22, uh, and then mm. now I'm 35, and it was just like, meh, this is very cutesy. I'm not too sure about this, but uh, I think he's definitely he's definitely honed his skills since then. Um, and yeah, yeah, I was a big fan fan of it when uh, when it came out. Um, the, well, what about you, Adele? Like, what, what, what do you make? Were you, are you sitting there with your arms folded going, like, I hate this. I think this is the most disappointing follow-up to a classic I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, you're assuming I think Knives Out is a classic. Or you listen to my episodes of Knives Out Minute. Um, no, I really love Knives Out. Um, I, uh, I really like this movie as well. Like, to get into it a bit, right, the, the vibe is very much attached to the sort of type and source of wealth that's being critiqued mm-hmm. and i'm just a little more partial to the vibe of knives out than i was in glass onion but i get obviously why that has to be the case yeah. uh that's not to say i don't like it i just like knives out a little more yeah the, um, i think the first one is definitely better there's a whole range of reasons though where i was just like well just this worked better for me and that worked better for me and then things like that but you know just in terms of it being like a like a Poirot, where it's going to be like, well, it's just the guy dumped into a different bunch of randos every movie. I thought, mm-hmm. it, was, I thought it was great. It's like, well, you know, some of them are going to be better than others. And, you know, maybe when Knives Out 3 uh, comes along, it'll be it'll be even better than that. So uh, we'll just have to see yeah. where it goes. But um, this this one always, this flustered me in that, uh, and even, even now I had to look up his name. Because we have, obviously, you start off there, you got Catherine Hahn. Dietary restrictions. Love and all my kisses, Miles. Uh, and mm-hmm. then her husband behind her. And for yeah. years, and I don't know what it was, and it was some sort of bizarre abnormality in my mind, I always called that actor Walton Goggins. And it's not oh, Walton that's not Goggins. Walton Goggins. Not at all. Nope. And I have no idea why I associated the two of them. But every time I would hear, I think I just always saw the name Walton Goggins popped up a lot on the internet when The Shield was coming out. And I course, yeah. never, I didn't watch The Shield at the time. I've watched it since. And I, for some right. reason, I always paired that guy's face with the name Walton Goggins. 
And then since then, I'm well aware of who Walton Goggins is now because he's you know only exploded in popularity more so. Uh, this guy, I, I when writing my notes, I was like, okay, I had to check Dallas Roberts. And then as ah, we sat okay. down to record, I was like, what's his name again? <laughs> and I had to go, had to go scrambling through the notes, go like, oh, it's Dallas. For some reason, this guy's name will not stay just, in my just mind. Escapes you. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, where I think we all have like someone like that. Mm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, his face yeah. always stayed with me. Every time I'm seeing him, I'm like, oh. You're like, oh, it's, it's that guy. That guy's name I don't remember. Yeah. And for like a good 10 years, it was like, hey, it's Walton Goggins. <laughs> and so yeah. well, it was only around name 2012. I, remember, I was like, yeah. oh, wait, no, no, it's not. It's not Walton Goggins. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, um, and then a bizarre crossover with um, one of uh, the the previous uh, Minute by Minute uh, projects that came out from this, you know, this oeuvre. Uh, that mm. uh, our illustrious producer Darren produced. Um, you had like, we had how to lose a guy in ten minutes. Uh, in, right. In that section uh, was me, my Batman co-host John, and our guest Scott Corelli got into a whole mm. conversation about how Catherine Hahn, when she was younger in that movie, looked exactly like uh, Aya Cash from You're the Worst, and who was in The Boys since we, uh, you know, she was mm. Stormfront in The Boys, and. It's just weird now coming back and it's like, oh, we're doing another Darren Houston joint, and also here's Catherine Hahn again, and I'm just sitting going like, she doesn't look like Aya Cash here, but I wonder in 20 years time will Aya Cash look like Cash Catherine look like, Hahn yeah. <laughs> in Glass Onion? So now we have to come back in 20 years to verify whether that's going to be a thing or not. But uh, I mean, now the now the listeners of multiple podcasts are going to be uh, uh, waiting with bated breath. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I didn't actually, and I didn't realize until I wrote that notice. I was like, oh, that's right, because Kate Hudson's. Oh, they appeared. To, oh, they were in the, the. It's like a reunion. <laughs> it comes up later in the later this very week, actually. So, uh, what struck me, I think, um, I kind of alluded to it, catching myself because I'm notorious for running with tangents and thoughts. Um, Probably the ADHD I got diagnosed with last year. Nope. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I think I mean obviously we're we're sort of in the middle of a sequence of um, the box having been opened, the uh, invitations there, people reacting to oh it's one it's a party. They seem to understand uh, and have some knowledge of uh, this guy's uh, parties. They're really excited. But I really like the, like, from sort of the. Re it's a really close shot of Catherine Hahn and oh, now I've read, not Walton Goggins, right? <laughs> Dallas Roberts. Um, I'm now his official yeah, spokesperson. Dallas Roberts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there, she's kind of like, huh, okay. And we know, of course, that she's a politician, and so we're like. That like it feels like you know she's got a certain lifestyle, but then we we go to Duke, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's a wide shot of this amazing looking like Nora Ephron type kitchen, right? <laughs> uh, but it's so well shot with the the like light coming through the windows, making it feel like natural light, drawing the shadows off of the glass onion that's in the middle of the that's open. Mm. It's in the middle of the puzzle box. I think it's like. One of my favorite shots of the puzzle box mm. is like from second second six through um, like I don't know twelve or something. Ma, where's my spear gun? I got a pack. Babe, get packed. What's that? 
I don't know. Because just the lighting hits it, you get a sense for the opening because of like the light and shadows, uh, and this like bright blue contrasting with the wood. Um, but also just like Duke's like ex so excited, like like a little kid. Where's my um, spear gun? Right, and he's running away, uh, and like there's just no. Um, He's not the his voice and what he's doing is like the focal point, but it's the visual focal point is clearly just look at this thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Look at its intricacies. Um, and uh, whiskey like walks in uh, and sort of kind of stops in the middle, right, right in line with the glass onion, and kind of like looks at it mm. for a bit before while bemused reaction um, uh, to the. Um, to, to to Duke's excitement, right? She's like, ah, okay, well, we'll go back, right? It's just such a nice little sequence, and then of course, the mom, who's secretly obvious, who's obviously the head of the household, right? Yeah, <laughs> is is like, just like slumped in the corner, reading a book or a paper or something. I just really like that shot because it, it was so evocative of. It, it reminds you of like the dis dissonance of Duke's character, like persona to mm. his fans and who he is, but also just gives you a chance to see the box in, the, in literally the best light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, one thing I will actually say about the whole box sequence, um, mm. that's that's an element I did think was better than the first Knives Out film, is that it's much it's a much better opening, I think. Because I could barely tell you how the first Knives Out starts. But, like, I'll, oh, you'll yeah. always remember this whole sequence of them all getting the boxes and just how intricate the whole thing is. Um, one way, too, I was, I was kind of curious at the time, in knowing that the whole legacy of like part of well, part of Ryan Johnson's legacy is that of course he took over uh, the Star Wars franchise from J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams is a guy who is constantly criticized for introducing mystery boxes uh, into his work, where he's like, "Here's a mystery. Right. What's what's in the mystery box?" And then Ryan Johnson mm -hmm. to follow up, um, well, not to follow up the Last Jedi because obviously Knives Out came out uh, mm -hmm. prior to that. But then to come out and be like, here's my movie. It starts with people getting mystery boxes. <laughs> it's like, is there something? And we of... solved the box right away. Yeah, we got it out of the road. And now here's the actual film where we can deal right. with plot lines and stuff. Um, I oh, do wonder really if it's some sort of subtle critique he was doing there. I doubt it is because I don't know if he'd want to risk doing that to like your Hollywood buddies and stuff. But, you know. I mean, I don't know if the like, I, I got rid of the box thing would be like, a, look, you, this is how you should do it. But I wouldn't be surprised if like, Something tickled him about having a mystery box mm. and and making the connection. Yeah, but I don't think he like wrote it. It seems a, a little too a subconscious uh, urge intricate. drove him to, to uh, yeah. He's seen all the internet chatter and he's just like, well, I you know I don't know if I have something to say straight away about this. And then his you know subconscious <laughs> mind was just writing out these uh these sequences. Um. Also, though, the I have to say the Hellraiser fan of me upon first watching was very disappointed when the box opened and like chains didn't shoot out from the side of the screen. And, mm. I was like, this is the movie right here. Benoit Blanc versus the Cenobites. But, oh, man, that would be a movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good. You know, Knives Out 3 currently in production. I know we're supposed to talk about it in a later episode, but... Uh, yeah, know, it's fine. Put a, put a, put a pin uh, in that. <laughs> hey. Yeah, going back to the, like, just the, the... Because we're in the middle of the cycle of shots, I think it's really, like... um. Again, it just shows the life style differences, yeah. right? So we've got the, I still live with my mom, but I've clearly, like, bought this big house. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then we cut, and um, 
we move to this dark, um, you know, the, the lab, right? Or like whiteboard, bunch of screens, giant table, despite the fact that it looks uh, like he works all alone. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a... Um, it all looks like different times. Like, I'm assuming this is... This, I, may, or I don't know, it might just entirely be to do with, with the lighting, but it, see, it feels here like this is showing up in the middle of the night. Like, the guy's there working... He's working alone. Like, at 2 a.m. Yeah, I mean... And, it, but then... It, it, it depends on states and stuff like that, because, yeah, you're, I guess they're spread out enti- across the entire country. Yeah, I wonder about that. I think it's really telling. I think that's why I called it a lab, right? Because there's no windows? Yeah, yeah. So it actually could be the same time. Mm. He's just working with the lights off. It's all these characters all just live down the road from each other. <laughs> yeah, right? Um... Yeah, so I think the, um, and it, it's like, everything's really proper, his reports are all lined up, which, you know, no scientist or academic does that, but it's a very Hollywood thing of, like, mm. important research yeah. guy, right? Um, but from... he's sitting alone in the dark, and, like, even the, um, in this case, there is light actually dropping onto the glass onion, right? But it's kind of washed out just because the contrast, and, like, it's just not really a focal point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just sort of seems like, and he's like half in shadow, half in light because of where the primary light source is. Mm. And it just seems like, I don't know, to me, it was like, Duke's rich and he's living with his mom, but in a nice house. He's happy with it. Yeah. This guy's like got research funding, but seems to be working alone. And like, there's no like even service level of happiness in this sort of. No, no. It seems like a a, a very sort of eerily lonely lifestyle to just be like it's almost creepy out getting a glass onion delivered when you're just there by <laughs> by yourself right? like you know at least at least duke's got like a, you know i don't think he gets creeped out by things i guess all that easily but um yeah yeah um as you're saying though the the, the, the light source seems to be shining directly upon uh his i heart new york mug which is like yeah the, the star of this sequence for some of like now's your time to shine mug uh, but you'd have to give New York a shout out, I guess, at some point. Uh, presumably, it means he's in New York. Or would you would you have well, an from I heart, New York? Yeah, would you have an I heart New York mug if you were I mean, in, I, this, in the city, or would you be like, no, no, we all hate it here. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of a way tourist thing, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't strike me. Like I don't know, I do know people who have lived in New York, and they're just like, oh yeah, yeah, it's just crowded, and like nobody nobody wants you there <laughs> because there's like New York has too many people, so they're just like. You know, they would probably they probably like encourage tourists to say, Oh yes, by all means, do 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 leave this city because and take an iHeart New York mug with you because it's crammed in here, man. Um But uh but yeah, yeah, so um although it would make sense though, just in terms of like you, again you assume these because it's it seems like uh Duke seems in more of a well it's hard to judge though, from because as you said, a Nora Ephron as kitchen. He could also be mm-hmm. be New York. That's her. That's her. That's her neck of the woods. Yeah, so, yeah. That's. Uh, I'm sure people, listeners might be frustrated too. Where it's like they actually say at the beginning of the movie, there's a no, little bit of text that very specifically says where everybody's from. Yeah, it doesn't matter though because we can talk about the background of, of previous minutes, uh, not the for uh, not the background or foreground of subsequent ones. Uh, but all we care about is this one. Yeah, so exactly. If you know it. That's cool. We're not supposed to necessarily know it. <laughs> uh, and then obviously we cut to the dynamic shot 
right? Um, of Birdie in her giant pod, uh, and everyone's cheering, and she's dancing. She's got this uh, um, invitation, bunch of reds, but like it's clearly daytime because we have these big windows uh, that are like these two like white squares in the middle of the sort of cool funky red yeah, and everyone's yeah. cheering because she got an invitation which makes no sense but makes a shot very clear of what her lifestyle is and the, like the, these people are very happy yeah it kind of has the vibe of like this party could have been this has been going on since like 7 p.m yeah like, before kind of thing it's kind of like a um uh again another thing ryan johnson worked on but it's kind of got uh you know jesse from breaking bad party house lifestyle only much less miserable uh, and full of dirty people on uh, lots of drugs. Although I'm sure these people are on lots of drugs. They're just, you know, they're spruced up a bit more <laughs> than Badger and uh, old Jesse, Jesse's friends. But um, this, the only thing about this shot is that it really strikes me as uh, something that was only consciously shot specifically either for this edit or more likely for the trailer. Like they just thought, it it looks like such a trailer right. moment to have this little thing like all right Kate you go up and do this and then you do the the John Travolta pose and there you go that's our shot you know it's probably yeah. done by second unit people who are like yeah we just need a couple of things that are like we have a party scene here Let's yeah especially because it's like a scene. like a quick tracking shot of her but it's yeah. like really quick and they're it's not like it clearly wasn't like they took a chunk out of a longer shot which is more common. Yeah. Because there's just not enough space. She moved from like table to center of room. Like she walked less than six feet, and in that time, turned around and posed, as you said, John Travolta pose. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because one of those things it could be like it was. Oh, originally there wasn't uh, intended to be like a bit of dialogue here or something. But then they're like, no, we cut that out. So do we have a do we have cut footage of her dancing around, or can we shoot something quickly just to insert? Yeah, remember that this character also exists because she's going to be popping up again later, uh, and we just want to get everyone's general vibe before they go off on their grand adventure um and then it also sets up a, a great contrast to like what comes directly after as well yeah exactly so i mean this is sort of what i alluded to uh in the description right at about i think it's second 23 we're now suddenly on a close shot of um janelle Monet's face she's in a terry cloth robe her hair is wrapped up and she is not happy. No, no. It's so um, very stony-faced, eyes sad in the sense of like half-open, resigned, right? It's got the... Um, I, I love the, the pacing of the whole thing because, again, like we came in those first 23 seconds are so fast going. You got, you know, Duke running around looking for a spear gun. And or the music's building and you get just like sort of quick shots of everyone, Kate Hudson dancing around. And then to just cut, like, dead to this very, like, it, it leaves much more of an impact because the, 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 not just the tone, but the pacing changes so drastically. Like, it slows right down to, like, stand still. Um, that makes much more of an impact on you, like, remembering this character and remembering that in this moment something very, because this is one of the, you know, one of the moments that when you watch the movie a second time and you hmm. know what's actually happening, this scene takes on a whole different connotation. Um, fully so, yeah. yeah i mean it's uh to be fair m nope i almost did the thing we're not going to talk about which is <laughs> another part of the movie um but yeah so just going back to the 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 shot right so we're at minute a second like 23 
and she has these very visible medium-sized breasts but they're at the shoulder right you could it's you can tell like there's like she's suppressing emotion um it, and it does just like a pullback to just up to so from a quite quite a cl close bare mostly head and a little bit of shoulders right to just seeing the edges of her shoulders that's the length of the cutaway but it i think it really accentuates that like the the breath mm. you just see her take that breath and then another breath and even though i think her breathing is the same pace because of cameras pulling out it feels like she's like working up right but i actually think she's just like i think they said just hold it breathe right yeah. but again that that dynamic shot makes it feel like uh is that like are, is the are the breaths going big mm, mm. um what i really love about this sequence though again no it's because we don't want to we don't want to jump ahead to other people's minutes but yeah the fact that it does have a double meaning in that you interpret what happens next as being something more out of complete frustration and hatred. Yeah, well, let's let's go to, let's get to it. So right, so then we cut to her, no, holding the this this is from Miles Braun. So she, like she she's it's clearly like oh some of this emotion is attached to who this box is from, and then yeah. she stands up. We've got this beautiful wide shot of this, and why, why I say that is because it's such a contrast. It, basically, every other shot in the entire film to to this minute, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like this. Sorry, uh, boxes um, in the middle of the room, a ladder, it looks like, in the left. Old furniture, you know, there's a roll of tape sitting there. There's, like, concrete. It's, like, it's just, like, shambles, right? And then yeah. she, and in that shot, while you're trying to absorb this, she just leaves the scene, right? And you have a few seconds of, oh, take this in. This is very different. And then she comes back, and she's holding a hammer. And I love the touch that she got, safety goggles. Yeah. She knew exactly <laughs> what she was about to do. It's, it's just good general good advice, though. Always safety first. You just don't want to... Um... Got a nice protective robe on there, and uh, <laughs> and the hair up too, just in case you get any. I'm assuming she's also just out of the shower, but you know, it could be like you don't want to get any uh, any remnants, any shrapnel in your hair. So yeah, it also works out as a nice little safety precaution as well. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and then she just immediately goes to town on this, and um, it's this like it's such a cathartic. Man, it's not like it's not quite frenetic. It's just. There's emotion, but it's like, like her. She's not just swinging wildly, right? She's like, working the from left to right, smacking things around. There's like, there's she's clearly trying to dig through this stupid box. And it's a, it's it's, it's a it's a beautiful moment just in terms of, uh, and I remember even having that kind of reaction when first watching it, in that you've seen these like how beautifully ornate and intricate and well thought out and well planned and just so fantastically designed. The glass onion box is, and like the, the ingenious methods required in order to to unlock it, and then, like I think even when I was watching those sequences, having the kind of thing of like if it were me, I'd probably just crack it open because who cares? You're just you're gonna get to the center of it anyway, and then actually see that the film itself just goes like nope, <laughs> just go in and just whack at the thing until you yeah. get to what you need to get to, because uh, it does the, you know it actually has a third like a third secret function uh, that someone will get to later. 
But it just it conveys so much about what uh, Janelle's you know her emotion towards Miles is, uh, and then also just like kind of almost like a little joke to the audience of like it's much much easier to just go in and actually just you, there's nothing stopping you from just going and destroying the whole box just to get the thing that's in the center of it. So I actually when I first watched this and then thought about it and then when I second watched it uh, I think the, so actually you sort of brought up the like magic mystery box thing. Mm. Uh, with respect to Star Wars and other directors, but I actually felt like, and that's why I waited for this comment because uh, we I knew we would get to it. Um, I felt like this was a an, a tongue in cheek send up, not not of a specific thing, but the pastiche, the like, oh, you know, this ain't like the national treasure, the the like, just the the trope of. There's a puzzle box that will have a key, but we need to be here and there and everywhere, and we have to figure yeah. out what this symbol means. It's like, guys, you could just bust it. Like, if, yeah. you, if you're like, this thing has a key in it. Okay, get me, like, a saw, a drill, uh, two floors up and a piece of concrete. Like, Yeah, unless you think this thing has got, like, explosives in it, then why, why like... Just go for the simplest method, you know, unless yeah. you're going to be quizzed later about, like, how did you solve it? And even if you are, just go, I just busted it open. So yeah. what? Uh, and, like, although, when it's, like, an Indiana Jones type thing, you're like, oh, maybe it's, like, a deference to not breaking the thing, but then you don't see the bad guy who clearly doesn't care do that. He, like, waits for them. He, like, gets the box in their hands because they can solve it for him. It's like, and then he, like, throws it aside because he just wanted the key or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, although again, that is another uh, little Ryan Johnson. Maybe it's a little trope. I could go through all his films now to look for it. But um, one of the most famous, infamous moments of the Last Jedi, of course, been the beginning of Luke Skywalker looking at his this, you know, uh, infamous, beloved, properly like handed to him with such high regard lightsaber, and then just throwing it over his back and been like, I don't care about that. And walking away. It's the same kind of vibe of like, here's this beautiful thing that's so important and such and held in such high regard. And all the other characters took the time and effort to work out how to properly do it. And here's a character who's just like, no, just go trash the thing. Uh, because I don't care about that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. Um, so, yeah, there's a little Ryan Johnson thing of just like having something that's supposed to be super, super important and uh, held in such high esteem by other characters. And then to just trash it and just be like doesn't matter uh that's not that's not what's important right now kind of thing yeah so the box is interesting i love that it's obviously not the same box in the sense of like functionally mm. um like but like the foley work is like crash tinkle tinkle it's fine like you know she's swiping left and right and here and there and you're like the just the pure density of contraption also i think um this reminds you that it probably all couldn't happen in the same box the way we're see shown it cinematically yeah yeah but she's like yeah i don't know i just really like how it's like it's so well shot and well placed it's not like you have a moment to think unless you are examining it minute by minute of like oh yeah that the way she's busted in and the layers that doesn't line up because obviously it doesn't matter yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, and then she like, yeah, she stops uh, as soon as and you could. I love so this is like a um, this is it. So this is important, right? Because the whole minute ends in the middle of the sequence, right? Smash, smash, smash. Again, this methodical lefts and rights, trying to dig down till something happens, and then right at our fifty nine, she's 
swings. Uh, and that's all we've got, right? We're yeah. just in the middle of breaking the box. Mm. Also, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moment that's so... Uh, it's easy to empathize with just in terms of uh, a performing a performance uh, element, and that it must have been so much fun for Janelle Monet to be able to like come in and destroy this box. Like, they're like, here you go, just go crazy with it, just go in and smash the hell out of this thing. Uh, it's proper Homer Simpson kind of joy of just like, I'll smash it good and come in and just been able to wreck this thing. And like, how many takes, how many boxes does you have to get through? Uh, yeah, where they're like, fine, yeah, go go straight ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I never really thought. I didn't think about that onset moment. Um, I guess yeah. There's like a yeah, like I said, it's just such a wonderfully cathartic minute because of the transitions up until this, right? And then uh uh and and then we're sort of left hanging, but like she's clearly dug out a layer, right? Mm. Like she because she's that left and right action I was mentioning, and she's going, she's like a big swipe um down on one side, and then she's in the middle of a swipe at fifty nine. I'm sure at that point it'll be different frames for everyone because obviously they all hit pause slightly different within a one second time period. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's the, it's not only that it's like such a neat shot given that all the action's happening right center screen, but not it, like center screen, like almost at the center point, right? Like it's this wide shot. We never really care about everything except this window dressing. There's again, we have the one light right above this table. Uh, but it's actually probably a little a foot away from the table because it's clearly on her head, right where mm -hmm. she is. Uh, and then all of the action she's doing is just her hand in the box, right? So the functional part of this shot is like so tight, where almost like almost of the most of the rest of the movie, a lot of it was like pay attention to the background, we're establishing a lot of things, and it's like after we as soon as she leaves and they and this it's like here's the establishment of this character's current surrounding. It then like focuses you right in. Mm. That's it. Nothing else is moving. Barely anything else lit. She is smashing the crap out of this box, right? I just thought it. I think it's such a really cool set of transition points in this minute, right? That get to this point, which are is is the same sort of general flow the movie has to this point. Yeah, yeah. And these these sequences in this minute are kind of doing the same thing the movie has kind of been doing. I just think it's a that's why I really liked this minute. Was happy we got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, like just in terms too of like a yeah like things like mise en scène and lighting and things like that. It's it, it conveys so much just from where you come in to the characters. What just visually you instantly know kind of you get an idea of what their lives are like. You know, Catherine Hahn obviously there with her husband, but like you know, she's doing quite well. It's a brightly lit, kind of uh, not generic, but sort of like family centric sort of you know um, room stuff like that. She's out in the open. She's quite successful as a person. Kate Hudson, of course, then having people draped around her all over the place, and mm -hmm. things are just vibrant and decadent, and uh, the colors are very much popping. And then you have to pop to Janelle Monae just sitting in a kind of by herself in a darkly lit, grimy garage. And what does that say about where her character is, or the character we think she's playing is, uh, and the relationship she might? And then the fact then that um, you know to interpret this uh, this fantastic device that's been sent by you know at, at great expense and of mm -hmm. great importance by Miles to her, and the fact that her she has no problem with just destroying it is a yeah. sort of wordless indication of exactly where the relationships of the characters stand and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's just very, very, very well done. Yeah. Um, so, cognitive time. 
one thing uh, I think uh, generally, because uh, this is your first time on the show, was, uh, we did mention uh, whether you're a fan of it, but I was just curious. Um, sorry, just to point out, I think that was a good wrap up of, of the thing. Uh, I have nothing to add except that that, that was a well um, said point that I agree with. Um, but um, yeah, did you actually see, when did you first see the film? Oh, I, w- I was there um, for the Netflix release. Like where mm. where did you see it? Did, did you did you go to the cinema for this or did you like no? I'm I back. didn't. Um, when when was the release date? I should have had this up. It's the thing. It was released sometime in November, and then it came out on Netflix like the twenty third of December. Because uh, I remember it, but I remember having to clear my fat like my dad and stuff. I was at his house for Christmas. And I was having to be like like clear out the living room unless you want to watch this because this is like a big film coming, and I really want to watch this thing tonight. Uh, and so having this like sent him, he's like, I'm not interested in that. I was like, okay, well, do you mind if I <laughs> if I take control of the TV for two hours here because this is like a big big event? Uh, and then always that little bit of guilt of been like, you know, they did release it in cinemas post pandemic, and there's a kind of vibe of like help help cinema by going to see yeah. Glass Onion. And I was like, but I know I'm already paying for the Netflix. Like, yeah. Why would I, that I just sort hang of back for a couple of weeks and just I'll get it piped into my house for free? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Ryan Johnson's uh, direction and the cinematographers he works with. Um, but I had the same thing. Also, it was uh, November twenty third or twenty second, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. November twenty third, uh, and ooh, that was right. So uh, I uh, currently work uh, um, teaching. Uh, logic and ethics and bias of data science at the university of durham um and it was my first term and it was the middle of semester and i was getting used to a lot of things let's say and there were a lot of mini fires to put out so it was like it's coming out on netflix great (laughs) (laughs) i will i will note though uh to alleviate my guilt for the first night i was out i was there open a day for that i went to the center for that one dying to see it was there for like one of the first showings and stuff uh when it was on general release uh, and but this thing, this this did have a thing of like, well, they're already telling you that you're going to get it in your house, and I'm, why would I pay for the thing twice? When a, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe that's me been a bit of a you know skinflint or whatever. But uh, I, mean, I, I do. We're think We're in the middle of a cost of life crisis and record yeah. inflation here in the UK. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I think the bitter irony of it now is for me personally, uh, is that just this month I did finally cancel Netflix because I was just like, there's just not on this for me anymore. Like, it's not, it's not. The cost of it isn't weighing up to the quality. Uh, yeah. And then I used that money to pay for an Odeon Unlimited card so I could go to see tons of movies for, uh, for yeah. you know, 15 quid a month that I've already paid. Like, it's paid for itself already within the, the first week of me having it. So um, I, I had one a few years ago when I lived in Bristol. Um, and I've been thinking about it, but... Um, and I might end up trying it out for the summer, actually, because... Um, Durham's a small town. Yeah. <laughs> so, they, they, you know, oh, what's it like going to the cinema as a thing? Uh, because it's not, don't feel like going to the pub. Uh, it's a reasonable thing that, you know, Bristol had so many other options. That I just, I had a hard time convincing people to go to the cinema that, cinema that often. Mm. And I like going with people so I can talk about things afterwards, right? Yeah. surprise surprise look at what i'm doing right now um <laughs> and so yeah it just didn't it like i mean it doesn't take a lot to pay for itself 
I think it paid for itself in the months I had it, but there were a couple, but that's because there were a couple months that there were like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're busy and then it's like, oh, I want my free time. I want to socialize with my friends. They don't want to do movies. Okay. Well, right. Yeah. But, but it's a little different in this town. Um, and also just to be honest, the idea of watching a movie by myself in a cinema, uh, in the middle of like a rough term sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll note that I specifically got this month, not to date the uh, the podcast too much, uh, mm. but specifically because of what's coming up in June. Whereas I do Batman, so of course you have Michael Keaton returning right. uh, in the Flash as Batman. Right. Same month, you've got Indiana Jones five. You got Across the Spider Verse. You know, Into the Spider Verse two. Yep. You got Asteroid City. And you got there's, there's a bunch of other ones. There's like two films yeah. a week coming out. It's so crammed that it was like, so I get to see all those for fifteen pound if I buy those cars. Like that's what you're selling. <laughs> so of yeah. course I bought it. Uh, and then even from having it, just you know, in, in the the month of May, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy three, Polite Society, and there's a Mario Bava double bill coming up on Tuesday. Oh, and there you go. Yeah, they, I, paid for itself uh, already. Yeah, that, that I'm actually going to go see that for a friend's birthday. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. In Newcastle. On Wednesday, I think. Oh, the Mario Baba thing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was going across the country. Oh, 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 nice, nice. Yeah, I think it was. Um, it's Newcastle on Wednesday, the seventeenth. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, so that was the. Now you know exactly when this was recorded. Several minutes. <laughs> um, uh, you've you've kind of alluded to it now. Thanks for for uh, joining us this week and. Uh, We'll see you, you know, on subsequent days. But uh, I, why don't you tell us um, where, if people are, enjoy your anecdotes and the allusions to what you do, why don't you spell those out and let them know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, well, one of my shows is, um, or sort of the flagship show, uh, is uh, Bat Minutes, wherein we talk about the Batman films one minute at a time, much like Glass Onion is currently doing, or, or is being done. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically we had four whole seasons out uh, already. From 89 up to and including Batman and Robin. Uh, and at this point, we're airing, uh, in the middle of airing our season on uh, Mask of the Phantasm, the animated movie uh, from the mid-90s, which did actually get a theatrical release. So we're still on our remit of, like, well, we're doing all the 90s cinema Batman movies. So it's, uh, and plus we didn't want to end on Batman and Robin either. So we're like, well, let's go back and do one of the good ones. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're going to find that on all social medias. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. We're on Facebook. We have the Batman Listener's Cave, uh, where you can come in and discuss anything tangentially related to Batman. Uh, and uh, the show itself should be on all good podcatchers, and I believe it's on Spotify. Uh, but uh, that's sorted out by the uh, the other half of the podcast, John, my co-host, um, who's much more of a, a techie kind of person than I am. So I've been informed it's on Spotify, but I can't verify that. But give it a go and see if it is. Sounds great. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you have socials for those? Yeah, yeah. We just have yeah the Batman at Listeners Cave. You got uh, on. T- it, basically, it's one of those things. If you type in Batman or Batman Podcast to Google, gotcha. You will find it. Where the where the the only one pretty much is going to pop up there. Uh, that uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we of course here are at. Glass Onion Min, all one word. Uh, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast share of choice. And maybe tell a friend or an enemy. You know, I don't care. Tell someone. Someone you think might listen to more than a minute. Um, uh, and uh, me, I'm um, on Twitter at The Omniarch, T-H-E-O-M-N-I-A-R-C-H. 
I also co-host the Tanked Up podcast uh, at outoflives.net. That's at Tanked Up Cast on Twitter. But yeah, we're just a craft beer and video game podcast. The the intersection of two niches. Um, that's all we got today. So I'm going to say goodbye to you all. I'm going to say thanks, Niall, and I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs>